Hi, this is Rachel Hine and Rosie Tillis, Duke Plastic Surgery Residents on the Resident Review, a Duke Plastic Surgery podcast. This is a lecture series designed to aid in preparation for our yearly in-service examination. Our goal is to take you through high-yield topics along with experts in their respective fields in order to maximize your knowledge and potential scores. Stay tuned after this podcast for a brief message from our sponsors. Today, we'll be continuing our quick hits lecture series for the topic rhinoplasty. This again is facts taken from our in-service over the last five to eight years. So only high yield topics are discussed today. So a little rundown of our rhinoplasty lecture. We'll uh, start by talking about the anatomy. Then we'll discuss surgical approaches to rhinoplasty. We will describe the ways that we can address the tip, the dorsum, the ala, and the airway. And then we'll talk about some of the common complications of rhinoplasty. So starting with the anatomy of the nose, the blood supply comes from the ophthalmic artery and facial arteries, and these come from the internal and external carotids. Branches of the ophthalmic artery include the anterior ethmoidal, dorsal nasal, and external nasal arteries. Branches of the facial artery include the superior labial artery, the angular artery, from which arises the lateral nasal artery. This is the primary blood supply in open tip rhinoplasty due to sacrifice of the columellar arteries. The division of the lateral arteries can compromise nasal tip after open rhinoplasty and guidelines for safe dissection of the lateral nasal arteries include hugging the cartilage of the lateral cura and staying in a subperichondrial plane. The labial artery is found two to three millimeters above the alar grooves. Innervation to the nose comes primarily from the trigeminal nerve and the ophthalmic and maxillary branches. These include supratrochlear and supraorbital, anterior ethmoidal, and the nasopalatine for the septum. Important muscles in nasal anatomy include the levator labii superioris aliquate nasi, which contributes to the external nasal valve patency, and the depressor septi, which can shorten the lip and decrease tip projection. This is called a smiling deformity. The nasal vault, so the upper vault, um, is composed of the paired nasal bones, which are approximately 2.5 centimeters in length, and it is widest at the nasofrontal suture and narrowest at the nasofrontal angle. A rocker deformity of the upper vault occurs when osteotomies extend into the nasal bones above the level of the medial canthus. This causes a fragment lateralization. The middle vault includes the upper lateral cartilages and the dorsal septum. The upper lateral cartilage extends cephalically six to eight millimeters underneath or posterior to the nasal bones. We've been tested on that. Mm-hmm. The internal nasal valve is in the middle vault and it includes the caudal border of the upper lateral cartilages the septum, and the anterior portion of the inferior turbinate and nasal floor, and the bony edge of the piriform aperture. The internal nasal valve regulates airflow resistance. There's a normal angle of 10 to 15 degrees, and the narrowest portion of the nasal aperture uh, may contribute to 50% of airway resistance. The caudal maneuver attests the internal nasal valve, and this is when you pull the cheek laterally to displace the lateral nasal wall to identify internal nasal valve collapse. The lower vault is composed of the lower lateral cartilages. This begins with the scroll area, which is the region of abutment between the upper laterals and the lower lateral cartilages. There are medial, middle, and lateral cura. The angle of divergence is considered wide if it's greater than 60 degrees. Normal is between 30 to 60 degrees. And this is defined by the middle cura bilaterally. The external nasal valve is a part of the lower vault. It's defined by the lateral crease and septum, the ala, and collapse may be seen by nostril collapse on inspiration. The septum is composed of the quadrangular septal cartilage, the perpendicular plate of the ethmoid bone, and the vomer. 
The turbinates are paired bony structures that regulate and humidify inspired air. The inferior turbinate are a separate bone and deviated septum may cause contralateral turbinate hypertrophy. This can lead to an increase in airway resistance. Thanks, Rosie. So next we'll talk about surgical approaches. They're closed and open, and the main advantage with closed includes decreased edema, decreased operative time, faster recovery, and lack of scars, and disadvantages include poor visualization and difficult dissection. There are several different incisions that we are tested on, and I'll start with the ALAR incisions. The first is the intercartilaginous, so intercartilaginous. This is located between the upper lateral cartilage and lower lateral cartilage. It follows the caudal border of the upper lateral cartilage and is located between it and the cephalad border of the lateral cruise. And this is more tested on commonly. A transcartilaginous incision is located at the level of the lower lateral cartilages. A marginal incision is made at the caudal aspect of the lower lateral cartilages. And a rib incision is located in the alar rim. And this may be used with an intercartilaginous incision to deliver the lower lateral cartilages. Septal incisions include a transfixion incision, which is an incision of the entire septum incised at the membranous and cartilaginous junctions. This is great access to the septum and for a hanging columella, so it accesses the caudal septum. A limited transfixion incision leaves attachments of the medial curl foot plates. A hemi-transfixion incision is a unilateral incision at the junction of the caudal septum and columella, so only on one side. A high septal transfixion incision does not violate the junction of the caudal septum. An Achillean incision is an incision made one to two centimeters posterior to the caudal septum. So this is not ideal for visualization of the caudal septum and is used for a more focused approach to deviation of the septum. This incision preserves tip support. Quickly for nasal differences. So in the Asian population, the upper lateral cartilage and lower lateral cartilages are links are similar. The heights are what are shorter. Um, and you should take care with cephalic trim in this population. We'll go over a little bit, uh, we'll talk about nasal grafts next. So there is a difference in grafts. One includes autologous tissue, which is septal cartilage, ear, and rib. And then there's allografts, which include acellular dermal matrix, irradiated rib, and silicone PTFE. Irradiated rib cartilage can be a good alternative to autologous, but has somewhat of a higher risk profile over autologous. And of course, the other ones have a much higher risk profile. Addressing the nasal tip um, and grafts of the nasal tip. So tip projection is dependent on the lower lateral cartilages and soft tissue and suspensory ligaments of the LLCs and the LLC and ULC junction. Increasing tip projection usually involves grafts and sutures that are aimed to both increase tip projection and work on the infratip and lobule definition. So you can use medial curl sutures, which are between the medial cura, which stabilize the columellar strut. And you may also use a medial curl septal suture, which includes the septum and causes rotation of a drooping nasal tip. Interdomal sutures are placed between the domes of the LLCs and increase projection. Transdomal sutures are placed between the medial and lateral projections of a single LLC. Columellar struts are used between the medial cura, and this increases tip projection. An onlay tip graft lies horizontally over the LLCs and alar domes. A shield graft rests anteriorly on the middle cura. Subdomal grafts are used mainly to correct a pinched tip nasal deformity. The subdomal graft is a bar-shaped graft in the pocket under the domes. Pinched tip nasal deformity occurs from decreased interdomal distances. You can also use a septal extension graft 
And for inadequate projection, you can consider a cephalic trim, columellar strut, septal extension, medial curl suture, or transdomal sutures. For decreasing tip projection, you can decrease the soft tissue attachments of the LLCs as well as transect the lateral and media cura. For tip rotation, increased tip rotation may be obtained with the cephalic trim of the LLCs, caudal septal resection, or columellar strut grafts. There are suture techniques used to suspend the LLCs. Cephalic trim can be used to aid in tip rotation. You want to make sure to leave six millimeters behind to prevent instability like retraction, notching, and external nasal valve dysfunction. Next, we'll talk about tip definition. So a wide angle of divergence, which we remember the normal angle is 30 to 60 degrees and is defined by the bilateral medial cura, can create variations of a boxy tip. This is usually corrected with suture techniques of the lower lateral cartilages as well as lateral curl strut grafts. A parentheses tip is caused by a vertical orientation of the lower lateral cartilages and is corrected with a lateral curl strut graft. A bulbous tip is caused by convexity of the lower lateral cartilage or a wide angle of divergence, and this is, created, this is treated by cephalic trim and transdomal sutures and lateral curl mattress sutures if the lower lateral cartilages are convex. A polybeak deformity is fullness of the super tip area that results in under projection of the nasal tip. Nasal dorsum, so sometimes patients will present with a dorsal hump, and for hump reduction, remember to perform prior to septal harvest and tip work, and this is typically used with a rasp. There is the inverted V deformity, which refers to the visibility of the caudal edge of the nasal bones caused by collapse of the upper lateral cartilages, which can be caused by a dorsal reduction rhinoplasty as this removes the structural support provided by the connection of the dorsal septum to the paired upper lateral cartilages. So then the upper lateral cartilages will delay and distort, and this can cause airway narrowing and distortion of the aesthetic lines. To correct this, you use upper lateral spanning sutures that reestablish the relationship of the dorsal medial edges of the upper lateral cartilages and septum. And open roof deformity is separation of the septum and dorsal sidewalls. For dorsal augmentation, you can use septal grafts, auricular or costal cartilage grafts. Remember, these tend to warp irradiated costal cartilage, diced cartilage grafts, which is called a Turkish delight. We have been tested on that. Synthetic implants, which can be used as dorsal onlay grafts. And so dorsal onlay grafts improve contour and radix grafts can be used for upper dorsal defects. And this augments the nasofrontal angle. You can also use nasal sidewall onlay grafts. And for filler, you can use hydroxyapatite to be used for dorsal augmentation. And you inject this about the periosteum or in the SMAS plane, otherwise known as the subperichondrial plane. This should only be used for nasal, nasal dorsum and sidewalls. And remember, there is a risk of intravascular injection, which is retrograde through the ophthalmic artery, and this can cause blindness. And treatment is retrobulbar injection of hyaluronidase. Okay, so discussing the osteotomies that you can perform on the nasal bones. Um, the medial osteotomies consist of medial, oblique, or paramedian. These are used to narrow or widen the bony vault and will displace the vault from the septum. Perform this prior to lateral osteotomies. Lateral osteotomies narrow the bony vault or correct an open roof deformity that Rachel talked about. Complications of osteotomies include the rocker deformity, which occurs after a medial osteotomy that goes beyond the thick portion of the radix, causing rocking of the lateral portion distally after positioning of proximal portion medially. For the nasal ala, grafts are mainly used for the alar contour, and they may be anatomic or non-anatomic grafts. 
Over-resection of the lower lateral cartilages may cause alar rim deformities. Alar batten grafts are placed in the pocket from the piriform aperture to the pyramidian po position in the alar sidewall. They're used for external nasal valve collapse. Alar rim grafts are in the subcutaneous pocket above and parallel to the alar rim, and this corrects retraction. Lateral curl strut grafts are placed underneath the lateral curl, typically after a cephalic trim, extending to the piriform aperture inferior to the alar groove, and this corrects lateral curl malposition or external nasal valve collapse or convexity of the lateral curl and boxy tip. The lateral curl turnover graft is when the cephalic portion of the lateral curl is turned over onto the remaining caudal lateral curl, which improves the shape of the lateral curl. A wide ala is corrected with wedge excisions. Next, we'll talk about airway. There's several different reasons for nasal obstruction, which should be examined in your preoperative evaluation. Airway patency and function are typically evaluated with rhinomanometry for dynamic evaluation, as well as nasal endoscopy and CT scan. A deviated septum can be treated with septal work, including resection, scoring, strut grafts, or suture. Septal resection or septoplasty includes scoring of the quadrangular cartilage to influence its shape in an attempt to straighten it. And if you think about it, a septoplasty or scoring cannot straighten the C-shaped deformity. You need a septal resection for this, which we've been tested on. Can be made when you harvest septal cartilage and you need to ensure that one centimeter or 10 millimeters of the caudal and dorsal septum remain to prevent saddle nose deformity, which is a collapsed dorsum. L-strut fractures should be amended with spreader grafts. And then spreader grafts, which we are frequently tested on, are fixed between the dorsal septum and the upper lateral cartilage in the submucoperichondrial pocket. The goal is to improve internal na nasal valve patency so you can increase the angle, you can straighten the septum, and you can also correct an open roof or inverted V deformity with this. Next, we'll talk about turbinate hypertrophy. There are two techniques for reduction. There are out fracture, which is performed with a Boise elevator. And this is typically the inferior turbinate, which is out fractured and displaced laterally. And this does not make sense to me, but it is used for simple submucosal thickening. There is a submucosal resection, which is the removal of the anterior bone. The mucosa stays in place, and this is used for bony hypertrophy of the inferior turbinate, which is also counterintuitive to me, but has been tested. <laughs> there is an empty nose syndrome, which is recalcitrant and paradoxical symptoms of nasal obstruction and suffocation despite a widely patent nasal airway, and this may result from complete removal of the inferior turbinate. And then there's the nasal valve, which is in the internal and external nasal valves. For the internal nasal valve obstruction, this is treated by increasing the angle, typically with spreader grafts, and the external nasal valve collapse occurs from the weakened lower lateral cartilages, and you can use alar grafts for this. Some common complications of rhinoplasty. So when you're performing a septorhinoplasty, a CSF leak may occur from the disruption of the perpendicular plate. If you see fluid, um, test it for beta-2 transferrin, which sometimes can be a slower send out test. So if that's taking too long, you can test for glucose. Um, symptoms of a CSF leak may include headache and watery rhinorrhea. A common complication is also septal perforation, which may occur after bilateral mucosal tears. Typically this presents as crusting, whistling, and bleeding. And you can treat this with local flaps and cartilage grafts. That concludes our quick hit section on rhinoplasty. Thanks for tuning in and we'll see you tomorrow. We would like to thank Allergan for their continued support of our podcast. Allergan Aesthetics is now part of AbbVie, an international leader in many different therapeutic categories. Many of our topics and therapies we discuss on our podcast are provided by Allergan. They continue to be a leader in the fields of breast reconstruction, 
abdominal wall reconstruction, medical aesthetics, and much more. Additionally, they are dedicated to supporting the education of plastic surgery residents and plastic surgeons across the country.